Thank you for tuning into the Hope When There Was None podcast. And here we share stories to educate you, to empower you and inspire. So thank you for listening and tuning in. Please do me a favor and share if you have a favorite episode, or maybe you think somebody else that needs a dose of positivity and to maybe break open some of the darkness, let there be light. So thank you again for all of your support and encouragement. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, and we're live. This is Melinda coming to you from Hope When There Was None. I am talking about everything that's related to abuse for the remainder of this month and going into next month because next month is Domestic Abuse Awareness, Violence Awareness Month. Now, this is something that we don't really need a month for because this can go on all year round. So I am, if you're new to me, I am Melinda Kunst, and I share my story about surviving childhood abuse as well as later on domestic violence. And so I come to you with my story, but also I sprinkle on stories from other survivors. We have experts on here counseling, but also other emotional traumas. And what I mean by that is perhaps you've went through a separation, a divorce, and it's not related to abuse. It happens, honestly. Um, Miscarriage, abortion, those hot button topics we can and have gotten into. So right now I want to share three different topics. Okay, so how do you know if you're being abused? Okay, I've got my cheat sheet. I'm all about cheat sheets. Or how do you know if it's not in your mind? We're going to talk about gaslighting as well as to know if this person's going to change. And just to say, as a disclaimer, I might say she a lot or he a lot. A majority of the cases are men are. Unfortunately, men are really the person that you see abusing women. Okay. This is something that happens more often than not. And not to say that men aren't abused. They are. It's more of a hidden thing. You know, we have this macho image of men and um, it's hard for men to come forward. It, I think it happens a lot more regularly than you actually hear, but it does happen. So if I go ahead, guys, please do not send me any nasty messages because, hey, you're saying she or he all the time. I know it goes both ways. And not that anyone sent me bad messages, but I, let's get into this. So whether or not do you know if you're being abused? How do you know in your situation? Many people are living with abuse. And for them, this is the norm. They have no idea. They may know, They might not know anything else or even realize that they were abused. I know this for a fact because I grew up in it. When you grow up as a child, this is normalized. And again, an abuser can be your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your cousin, your coworker, blah, 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 blah. It's not necessarily an intimate partner. This happens from the United States. This is something that happens in Ireland. It happens in Africa. It happens in Australia, around the world. This is a global thing. Everybody has been touched by some form of abuse, whether you realize it or not. And it could be that in heaven, well, you know what, thank stars if you've never been in an abusive situation. Hopefully you've never had it. Maybe you've just seen it in passing when you're at the grocery store. But again, if you're removed from it, you might not even realize what exactly it is. But let me tell you this, abuse is not always physical, okay? People associate abuse, and I know this was for myself, was just a physical thing, the type of thing you see a, a woman getting her butt really kicked really bad by a bat or um, murdered or so on and so on. Not that that doesn't happen, but physical abuse can also be, not all men like to brag, 
They like to do this covertly or in silence. So they might pinch, they might pull hair. They could um, do sexual abuse, raping their wife or girlfriend. They could um, trip you. There's different other things, pushing, shoving. These things also are physical abuse. It's not just that you're, you've been beaten over the head with a bat. That is abuse too. So I know sometimes we downplay it. Oh, I wasn't, they didn't put me in the hospital. They didn't break any bones. It's still abuse. It's all abuse. Whether they're calling you names, there's put downs, whether they're saying you can't have your own credit card, you can't have your own checking account. That is still abuse. Abuse is abuse. No matter what color you paint it, it still is. So how do you know if you're in a toxic relationship? Okay. This could be Okay, living with this pattern, if you're living with some fear, if you feel like your heart jump when this person comes into the room or when they come home, I'm not talking about that lovey-dovey, oh, he's home kind of thing. I'm talking about you really, your heart's in your throat. You have this rush of adrenaline. You are fearful when that person comes home or maybe when you go out this person drinks, does drugs, something. There's some kind of fear there. Maybe you just dread going home or even going to work. Again, this can be a co-worker or work environment too. You're dealing with some depression there, anxiety, feeling suicidal. Maybe that life is just spiraling. You also might have health issues. So I, I was hoping for myself that he would change. I kind of bargained. I, you know, reasoned with God. Well, you know, if this happens, if I change, if I do this, if I do that, if he promises, then I'll stay. Oh, when the kids get older, I'll stay. I'll stay until they're 18. I kept making all these excuses and bargaining because if I found for myself, I thought, well, if I could make him happy, if I found a way to make money from this, if I can help him with the finances, then um, everything will be okay. You know, everything will be good. He'll change. If I have children with this man, maybe he'll soften a little bit. He won't be as harsh. You know, he'll, he'll just start more being more loving. Maybe if I have more sex with him more and seem to want it more, maybe that'll make him happy. Uh, maybe if I initiate instead, and I know that sounds kind of vulgar and for some people that are listening to this, but these are things that I thought. And then it spiraled into eventually we were swinging. I had a sister wife. So there were things that really spiraled out of control. I felt very dirty. I was in a very dark place. So very different than the person that you see here right now. I was really in a bad place. I said that once. I'm going to say it again. I was. I felt like I had nowhere to go. I know. Well, at least that's how I felt. I didn't have a job, other things that made sense at the time. So frankly, the excuses and that fear of leaving, I had incredible arguments with myself. I talked myself into staying. Now, giving the person a benefit of a doubt, eh, that's natural. Okay. But if they do the same pattern over again and over again, it's a wake up call. Now, I didn't know about boundaries back then. So I just gave him more chances and more excuses for that poor behavior. And I didn't realize that I was being abused. I know that sounds weird. So after being a victim for so long, it just became natural. I left for the first time in 2007. And I learned I went to St. Jude House in Crown Point, Indiana. That's where I learned that I was being abused. And I, I even told the gal that was taking us in it's like well that's I'm not being abused I just I know I'm scared to go home and I didn't know where else to go I remember telling her that and she's like 
honey, that's one of the signs. If you are, that's a red flag. If you are fearful of going home, if he's making you feel scared, you're more than likely in an abusive relationship. A normal relationship doesn't feel like that. And I even told her, I says, no, burning bed type of thing, fair faucet. Some of you might be a little younger, but you can Google that. That is what I'm envisioning. Someone that's, you know, got this black eye, broken bones and so on. This was not, not normal, okay? It didn't seem like I was fit the, in air quotes there, the abusive woman's, what do you want to call it? The Holly weird type of version. So it just didn't seem right. So don't compare my story though to yours everybody is different. Abuse comes in many forms that I've mentioned, the, um, the financial, religious, cyber, there is your physical, your mental, your emotional, the sexual, and of course, the physical. So there's so many different types of abuse to look at. So I might be experiencing something different than you had and vice versa. Now, maybe he doesn't put his hands on you, he puts you down, that is still abuse. Maybe when things are heated, uh, because you're talking about bills, uh, finances, and when you're low on cash or something, or perhaps this person uses drugs and so on. Again, that's not a good way to rationalize that. It's okay. It's not. The abusers don't think about their behavior being bad. Really? They don't. In many cases, you end up being the instigator of these situations. So if your partner is scaring you, if your partner hurts you, if your partner is making you more than more than once a month or intimidate you, this is a pattern. Now, I'm not talking about something out of the blue that can only happen once, and I shouldn't even say that and gloss that over, but there can be a pattern building. You might want to start keeping, and I encourage you to keep a journal of these events. You might have to leave this in a private folder. There are apps that you can use to journal your, your thoughts and so on. These can be private. There are also maybe... Um, Maybe the idea to give it to a friend or something, send them an email or just chat with them, write it while you're meeting for coffee or tea or play dates or whatever, but have some sort of documentation about these events. So what was the situation? How did your partner react to this situation? Lay down the facts and don't overanalyze this just right. Put it away for a little bit and maybe... When you feel that you're ready, look at what you wrote. Does it seem that the situation is normal? The reaction was normal? Sometimes people have to have things a certain way, or maybe they're OCD about the way they live. Now, that's different. This, of course, again, does not excuse poor behavior. If you can talk about this, maybe you want to address this issue with that person without an escalation. Are you able to do that? Or is this something that you know you're going to have to just keep silent on? Or perhaps you hear them say, oh, I acted this way because I had a horrible day at work, you know, or I didn't sleep well. And they're trying to justify that poor behavior, that, that abuse by saying, oh, it's somebody else's fault. Or, you know, you didn't set the alarm for me. You let me oversleep. When he apologizes, they won't do it again. Okay, let's maybe give them the benefit of the doubt. And we'll talk a little bit more a little bit later. But if this person is repeatedly harming, threatening, throwing things around like confetti after promising to keep himself under control, that's red flags. Now, if your, per, your person 
your partner is lovey-dovey, your mom or dad, of course, if this person is lovey-dovey and they're saying, oh, I love you like no other person, um, you'll never find anybody else like me, no one else will love you like me, and then, of course, they turn into an angry, scary monster, this is more than innocent behavior. If you feel that you can't talk to your partner about any type of situation, that is uh, concerning to you where boundaries or so on that's a red flag being worried about the feelings of your loved one okay uh, hurting that person i should say is normal but to feel that you can't fully rational have a rational conversation with this person about being happy that's not that's not normal so let's say you go ahead and accept their apology but when that person starts that pattern again it's called the honeymoon phase i don't even like that because sometimes with abuse there is no honeymoon it's sometimes it's boom 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 it's one after another after another again please don't rationalize their behavior yes they might have had a bad childhood rough childhood perhaps they are out of a job and they only act this way when somebody um they're under the influence of drugs or alcohol or maybe they're hanging out with joe down the block no offense to Joe's out there, um, or Mary. Maybe she's not that bad when she, or she is bad when she hangs around with Mary. Don't rationalize that behavior. You may feel that you're, as a victim or as a person, you're not worthy of breaking free. You could be really worried about hurting that person's feelings. You could feel that you are in the wrong uh, because you didn't make your marriage work. Uh, what's God going to think? Especially if you come from a Christian background. <laughs> This person might not have shown you any type of affection unless they are, um, maybe they want it. They might have told you that you're a lousy parent, you're a lousy partner, or so on and so on. They might not um, give you that affection unless they're in the mood for it. You know what I mean? And it's not necessarily a sexual thing either. So how do you know if you can give this person a second chance? It's a big leap of faith. If this person is making a conscious effort to change, that's a positive step. Now I'm not talking, okay, they are going to those mandated classes, maybe a few of them set up by the court or anger, you know, for anger management or something like that. Now I'm talking about if they're going to walk the walk and talk the talk. Now, if you go back, there's a high chance, especially if you go back right away, there's a high chance that within a few days or weeks or months, they might just go back to the way things were. They might woo you back with those words of promises, of sweetness, gifts, and so on. And I know this feels good. It feels wonderful to get that positive attention and love that you crave. But watch what they're doing besides this. Are they going to counseling? Are they sticking to them? Are they off of that drugs or alcohol? Are they? Did they stop hanging out with those bad influences? Okay, being part of a healthy relationship means communicating your thoughts, your worries, and your fears without worry that you're going to be hit or talked down to, that you even have that fear of communicating at all. You want to be able to he be heard and you want to be able to feel comfortable being able to speak your mind. And if you don't feel that, even if this person is already on, you're on the men's, okay? If your partner is making you feel that um, you can't do those things, that's not normal, okay? Now, if your partner is giving you a set of rules but none for themselves, that's not normal. If you feel neglected and their demands and their needs have to be met, but yours are not, I'm sorry, I have allergies, I'm stuffy. This is not normal. So how do you make a decision? How do you, you know, whether to stick it out? Do you want to, I ask, I ask people this. 
okay? Do you want to spend the remainder of your life this way? Do you want your children to know that this is normal, okay? That um, they can possibly be set up to have the same type of situation happening to them, that pattern, that generational chain, if you want to call it that. So some positive also signs to look out for that this person has stopped being violent. They're not threatening to you or others. So more than likely this person, if they're a, um, a butthead to you, a lot of times they're buttheads to somebody else. They acknowledge that their behavior is wrong. They understand that they don't have the right to control you or dominate you. You don't feel afraid when you're with this person. They don't force sex on you. You know, especially if you say, well, I'm not in the mood, I don't feel good or whatever. They're not taking that. They're not raping you. You can fully express your feelings without feeling intimidated, scared, fearful. Also, that this person is not going to make you feel responsible for their poor behavior, their abusive behavior. Okay, they're going to respect your opinion, even if they don't agree with it. When you say no, they respect your right to say no. You can negotiate without feeling belittled or humili humiliated. Big word for me today. You don't need to ask for permission to do things like to go out, to hang out with friends, to get a job, to get your own checking account. This person listens and respects you, what you have to say. This person can communicate honestly and doesn't try to manipulate you. And this goes both ways too, okay? Because I know I've seen it in situations that, excuse me, where it's okay for this person, the abuser, but then the victim also, it's just a swirl of emotions. You might not want that person. Well, he's talking to women. There's so on and so on. There's this boundaries thing. You have to be able to feel comfortable um, with your partner. And I had a hard time with this with Mr. Awesome. My ex uh, would talk to women and so on and so on and have engaged in sexual activities with them while we were married. And um, that was very hard for me with Mr. Awesome. When other women would talk to him, I would feel like my self-worth is like this, like a half inch, okay, if that. I had very little self-worth. So with my ex, he would do things and say things like, well, you know, if you, if you were, if you dress like this, then maybe I'd be more attracted to you. If you weren't so fat you know, maybe we'd have good relations. Um, he wouldn't say exactly that. There'd be a lot of curse words. You know, if you did this, then maybe, you know, I'd want to F you, you know, I'm just, I hate to be vulgar, but those are the things that he would tell me. So with Mr. Awesome, when he would look, because he's a guy, guys, most guys do look, honestly, even the churchy ones that say they don't, they do. They're looking out the corner of their eye at that restaurant when they see that waitress go by, they're looking at her keister. I know they are. And, you know, even these old guys. So I had a hard time thinking, is he flirting with that waitress? Or his eyes are lingering way too long at that girl that just walked by at Walmart. Yeah, I shop at Walmart. <laughs> you know, those sort of things. But I had to really start doing that self-care work for myself in order to, to realize, okay, this is normal. This is a normal reaction that he's having. He's not going to go rush off and get her number. He is not going to, you know, on the sly, try and hook up with her. I had to really work on myself and my respect, but also the confidence that I had in myself that he's coming home with me and, or he's still married to me. He's not going and cheating on me from, you know, 
he says he's going to work, but he's really meeting for coffee or meeting a lady at a bar or something like that. I had to find that trust for him too. I had to give him that confidence and that trust that I believe that we have a healthy relationship. So it was really hard for me to figure out what the heck did a healthy relationship look like? Because the models that I had when I was growing up until my mom left my, uh, um, her my stepdad, I don't know what to call him. Once she left my stepdad, she got into a normal relationship. And I know that was very hard for her. I could see that dynamic though change. And so it was really difficult for me to figure out what the heck. I was very confused. I was a confused teenager. What was normal? I don't know. I wasn't used to normal. So learning after you get out of that relationship, what the heck is normal? It's surreal getting out of an abusive relationship. You are so you feel bound and obligated to to correspond with your ex or that person, whoever that is for you, that mom, that dad, you know, you feel that that uh, maybe that honor or that respect that comes with that title of husband or wife. But once you realize this person's harmful for me and you start putting up that no contact or limited contact, you're only going to talk to this person if it's about the children or I'm only going to talk to this person if it's about my dad or my sisters or brothers and so on and so on. You get the picture. Those are just an example. When you start putting up though, just severing off that contact because you're protecting yourself, you need to protect yourself. This is the time for growth and for you to give yourself that love saying, okay, enough. I can't do the crazy anymore. I can't do this anymore. You have to do it for your peace of mind and your spirit because that crazy making that is going to continue after you leave that relationship. It doesn't stop at the door. It does. Unfortunately, like I, <laughs> I believed it. I know. Don't make fun of me. I did believe, okay, I left him. Now all the world's going to be rainbows and glitter and shiny things. It was not, it was rough. There were moments where I thought, I might as well just go back to this guy because uh, this is crazy. Maybe this will calm him down if I come back. I'm glad I didn't. Um, you know, I did the first time in 2007. I did go back. I talked with his mom. His mom would say, oh, he's changing. He's doing this counseling. He's on medication now. Hey, please, he loves you. He misses you. And she really pulled on my heartstrings. And so I went back. And um, out of my respect for her, and I believed her. Now, in 2009, when I did it again, I called her and I says, uh-uh, I'm done. I said, I did call her again because I left twice in 2007. So I did let her know and she's like, oh no, now what are we going to do? But I did go back and I just realized, you know, there was an incident with my son that happened in November of 2008 and I realized I can't do this anymore. So I, I called her, actually I called her, I think it was like a day or two before. I'm not doing this again. I called, his boss called when his boss had called, I told him for the final time, I'm done. And he's like, wait a minute. And he was angry at me. He's like, I thought everything was okay. You never led me to believe that it wasn't. Now what's this, you know? And he almost seemed to be accusing me. And um, I felt really um, like I was being attacked for leaving. And of course, I couldn't say anything to his boss. You know, he, on the other end of the phone, he's like, well, you never said anything. Why? I can't. Anytime my ex excuse me, anytime my, my then husband was around and his boss would call, he was there. He didn't leave my side. He very rarely left my side. He had me under a microscope. Any phone calls he had to listen in on. He had to be right there. He had to know who it was. He had to make sure that I wasn't telling that person on the other line what was going on in our home. 
he kept me under lock and key. I kid you not. I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't fart without him knowing about it. And I, I kid you not. And I know that sounds funny, but I lived under a microscope. I had to have accountability for my actions, for where I was, who I talked to, what the times throughout the day, what did I do? I had to schedule out my day. He had to know what I was doing. Even if he was gone from work, he would ask the kids while I wasn't, maybe I was in the bathroom. He would ask the kids, well, what did mommy do? Did mommy have anyone over? He, or when we'd go shopping, who did mommy talk to? Did someone talk to mommy? He'd want to know these things. He'd grill the kids about who, because he had this thing that I was the one that was cheating and I never did that. Um, I remained faithful to those vows. So I know he wasn't cured. I know he wasn't changing his behavior. And that's, I, he didn't even recognize that he had a problem, that it was all me, that I was the one that was making him do these things. And um, I was the reason that I made him mad and so on. So if this person that you're with has still, still has those attitudes and those beliefs, whew, that is a red flag changing those patterns, changing that attitude, changing this behavior, it's going to be a lifelong process. But this person, if they're honest, they're going to do that work. So maybe this person no longer does whatever this behavior is, okay? Maybe it's violence, manipulation, emotional abuse. So they're no longer doing that. They aren't um, isolating you from your friends or from your family or doing activities, whatever else that you like to do. They're not blaming you for the behavior. They're not they're no longer emotionally abusing you, not calling you any names. Perhaps they're doing some sort of intervention, batters program or anything or something like that, but they're changing that attitude. So those are things that you can look for, okay, that this person's honestly doing, doing the work. So we want to make sure that they're doing that behavior. There's no excuse for abusive behavior, none at all. So when I talk about gaslighting, I'm going to flip the switch here. What the heck is gaslighting? So gaslighting really came into um, learning what it was about. In 1944 film, it's called Gaslight. There's a man that's psychologically abusing his wife. He convinces her that she's insane. Okay. And later on now, fast forward to the future, we're using this as a term to describe abusers games, mind games with us. Now they say and do things that make you question your sanity. And I kid you not, I thought I was going insane. I was even talking to the doctor that it's like, I need to have medication because I don't know what's going on. So this person is just really they want that control. They're feeding their egocentric needs. Their intentions can be with um, pleasure. It could be with financial gain. It could just, again, to feel like they're a big man, maybe, or a woman. Perhaps in real life, outside world, they don't have control. In their home, they want to be in that control position, okay, since the world doesn't listen to them or whatever it is, or they feel that it's like that way, they need to take control in the household, whether it's over their children, over their wife, over family members or whatever. So in the movie Gaslight, Paula and Gregory Anton, they're living in this home, okay, her aunt Alice was murdered by a somebody that wanted her jewelry. Now the jewelry he didn't find. So Gregory is actually giving away the plot. And I just saw this was on regular TV not that long ago. Um, but actually, he ends up being, he was the killer anyway. But he wants to marry Paula. So this is before they got married. So he could search for the jewelry because he knows it's there. So his plan, his plan is to convince her 
that she's insane. So he can, if then you can actually certify somebody and put them in an institution. Okay. So then if he was able to do that, he could search for her jewelry without her being nosy and being around. So that's, that was his plan. But after they move into the house, things start happening, weird things, pictures disappear. There's footsteps that can be heard into the attic, the gas lights, because back then they did gas lights. They dim and they brighten for no reason. Now he starts saying that Paul is responsible but she doesn't remember. She's like, I didn't do these things. Hello. Now, of course, our hero from Scotland Yard comes through. His name is Brian. And he happens to be a little smitten with her, be a fan of her. So the housekeeper and a neighbor actually help him solve the case. Gregory is arrested. Yay! On the day he finds the jewelry. So that intentional process and um, of making somebody with it, I just talked about psychological abuse, mental abuse, is using those mind games. Now, gaslighters, they like to use different games to lessen the victim's self-confidence or self-worth. They disturb their sense of reality. They make them doubt themselves. They, then this, again, this is over time. This isn't like bam, right out the door. This is something that they do slowly. So they start to weaken that victim. So they question themselves. They don't even have time to figure out what's happening. And you are less, you're having a hard time taking action for this. You have a hard time protecting yourself because you're doubting yourself. It's like, Oh, and I've used this time and time again, because this really sticks out as a memory. My ex using his keys or even the remote control he would, I know they were on the kitchen table and he would hide them. I wouldn't know that at the time, but after searching for an hour or so, only to find out they would reappear magically on the counter. It's like, I know I just looked on the counter. What the heck is going on? And, you know, he would on purpose yell at me and scream at me and make me feel, you know, I'd be crazy woman searching the house and I'd have the kids too. We gotta find dad's keys. We'd be looking for the TV controller or something like that. And but all of these games are meant to make the victim feel that they're insane, that they're having this breakdown. And the abusers are usually they have and I only know this because of talking with the person that was doing one of the ladies that was doing the counseling sessions on my ex when he went into the hospital the um because after i left in 2007 twice and then again in 2009 uh, my ex would say that he was going to kill himself and that was just to get me back well i'm going to kill myself you know it was kind of to make me feel bad and i'm not trying to downplay suicide at all okay so don't i'm not making light of it but this is a tactic that abusers can use they can use this to say that they're going to kill themselves or, you know, they're going to harm themselves unless, you know, you, because they're expecting you to rush back to them. And uh, a lot of times she had told me she's like, he has these antisocial disorders. Um, he's a sociopath and um, even some psychopathic. And I don't know how any of that plays. I don't, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a licensed professional. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm just going by what she had told me. He has this obsessive obsession with you and so on and so on. But she said a lot of people with these sadistic personality disorders do use these games, okay? Now, maybe not to the degree that my ex did, but to some certain degree, okay? Now, they both take this person might take 
um, not only control, they, they get off on it. They take some sort of pleasure in it, necessarily a sexual thing, but they kind of like feeling that they are messing with your head. Okay. Now this is very, um, you want to call it covert. So in secret, and again, you're questioning yourself. They might steal things from you. They might return things to you. And this is what my ex did. He would return those keys or that remote control or whatever else it was. And, um, maybe rearrange your furniture, especially if it's somebody that's elderly, they might tell you, Oh, you must have done this. You must have forgotten that you've done this. You must have moved this maybe because you're under a lot of stress. You know, this is something that happens a lot with elderly abuse. So the abusers, they do want to start, um, or they might want to start a crusade against you with others. Again, especially with the elder, oh, this person might need to go into a home. They can't take care of themselves. They're not stable. And they might say this to you too. I might need to take in custody of the children because my partner, she's losing her mind. She doesn't know what she's doing. So they'll continue to play these games. You know, you think you locked your car door and my doors are open, something of that nature. Uh, so gaslighters, again, they will isolate you, alienate your friends, your family. They might deny that they did anything. Okay. So when you question it, like, well, did you move my keys? They're going to say, oh, no, it's you. It's, you're crazy. Do you need to go on medication? Do you need a psychoval? They will tell you that it's in your imagination. You're overreacting. Why are you being so suspicious or overly dramatic? They'll tell their, their victims, they don't know what they're talking about. You're accusing me of imaginary things. What are you thinking? They will say things like um, all the bad things that, they, that they've done to you, they might flip it. So it uh, makes you feel like it's on you. Okay. Now, is there, when you're starting to question your memories and question yourself, these conversations that you're having, you might wonder, well, maybe it is possible. Maybe I am losing my mind. But then again, if you hear about gaslighting, you might be, maybe this is a thing. This is a subtle method of control and manipulation. Okay, so it can be totally undetectable. I hope you're not hearing my tummy growl. I'm getting hungry. I'm going to wrap this up soon. I know this is a little bit longer. Now this person's going to say they love you. Okay, they love you. You're the, the world to me. You're the moon to me and so on and so on. And they want to again, make you feel that it's all in your head all in your mind, your self doubts rising. And um, you know, this is just things that they do. And it's so, when you think about it, it's really, it's really incredible. And I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, that it's incredible that you question yourself so much or even think that this is something that, um, uh, this can't be happening to me. But listening to that small voice to know if something doesn't feel right, trusting that gut, I know what I heard. What's this that's happening? I know I left my keys here. Why are they moved? You know, is this person making, doing something so I don't trust my memory? Am I being manipulated? Um, again, this is somebody that's trying to make it hard for you to believe and question your sanity. They're trying to keep that control over you. And, uh, you know, they can even do this with the kids too. So just be careful. And it's hard to sever that relationship you might not be able to put any boundaries in because most narcissists, 
they won't respect your boundaries. They have a hard time when you, even when you go no contact, they've got to have that contact. They've got to have the control with you. But limiting your contact with this person, that's probably your best mode for protecting yourself. And I know that's hard, especially when you're caught up in this, um, this, the chemical reaction that happens when you're in an abusive relationship and when you get out of it, it's that drama that you are in it making you feel small for being swept up in that drama or drama mama or chaos or drama dad I'm not trying to make you small there's definitely things that happen within our body chemical reactions that make us addicted to this this rush of adrenaline and um, it's not in a good way it's not good for your body you might be feeling it in your heart you could be feeling you know panic attacks you might feel like you're having a heart attack you're you might have a, a, be a fibromyalgia warrior you could have um cancer you could be battling um uh oh gosh a multitude of other ailments just one after another, migraines, what's happening is your hair falling out. And you might just say, well, I'm just going through menopause, or I just had a kid. There's other things, especially if you're in that stress-filled atmosphere that you're going through, that it's more than just what your body's going through. It's more than just age. Stress can do so much to your body. So this is Melinda. I'm going to sign off. I know this was a lot and I think you, oh, I, I thought it was going to be longer. So um, I know this was a lot to ingest, but I do encourage you to please, if you know somebody like this, please share this with them. Or it doesn't have to be my stuff. If you see a video, a meme out there that talks about abuse, um, any type of abuse, anybody else's story, a victim story, I encourage you, please share it so we can get that awareness out there so people can learn what this stuff looks like. What is it? that they're not alone, that it's not something crazy in their head, that they're not going crazy. So um, please do that and just be blessed. Stay safe. If you need to talk to somebody, by all means, there's a National Domestic Violence Organization, and I'll pop that number down below so you can actually see what that is. And you could share that if you need to talk to somebody online too. I believe you can even text them or do like a messenger type of thing. But please be careful with that, okay? Because we don't want you to get in trouble. So the National Domestic Violence Hotline, the website is thehotline.org. I don't think I have a phone number for them, but I'll find that phone number for you and I'll throw that in the comments. So this is Melinda. I am going to have the podcast of this a little bit later on today. Ooh, I know that was a lot. So we'll talk a little bit more in depth about narcissism tomorrow. So thanks for joining me. I hope you have a great rest of your day. <laughs> Mini man. <laughs> thanks again. Be safe. I love you. And I will see you back here tomorrow. Bye. Thank you.